Father, we love you this morning and we thank you that we can come and be in your presence and declare that you are a great God. Father, we thank you that as we talked earlier, God, there is nothing too hard for you. Father, we pray this morning as we hear your word that you speak to our hearts. God, that you would move in us, change us to be more like you, Lord. Father, we love you and we give you this time together. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Good to see y'all this morning. I was hoping the Lord would give us 50, and I think maybe we're right there at it, maybe, here in the house. Not sure how many are out there in, in the internet watching us today. Uh, I want to I begin today, before we get to our message, with two things for you to consider. Uh, the first thing is, consider the grief that you may or may not be aware of. You're going to experience, you may be already experiencing it. You know, we think about grief just when we lose someone, but grief is the result of any significant loss. And man, we have lost the way we live. Now, uh, depends on your mindset, depends on your situation. It may be more than others, less than others, or you may not even be aware of it, but you're most likely grieving some things that you're used to. Now, I'm not necessarily a hugger, but I do hug. And I've realized that the few times that I do hug, I miss that. And so today, consider yourself hugged. I want to hug you. I want to say hello to you. Uh, you're probably grieving just going and doing like you used to. And, and uh, what's going to take place, I think, with all this is as time goes on, uh, each of us, depend, depending on our, our situation in life, but I personally have already had enough. And so I'm pretty much going and doing. And that happened a while back. And, and I, I'm just not wired uh, to, to live with all these restraints. I, I, I value choice. I value being able to do what I think I need to do. And I, I'm just, I'm just realizing that, that these constraints for the purpose of other people and helping other people, and I sure don't want to make anyone sick and I'm not going to go around anyone that's sick. I'm not going to go around anyone that if I'm sick, I'm sure not going to do that. I'm not going to hug. I'm not going to handshake, but to the best of my ability, I want to be out and about. But I know that that's not where everyone is, obviously, by the crowd we have today, uh, by uh, the constraints that's put on us. And so it's very difficult. And, and so uh, I want you to be aware that um, you may be grieving the loss of uh, normalcy. And none of us have any clue about what tomorrow is going to hold, but you may have to deal with that. And so... You need to work through that, need to talk through that, need to understand that, need to acknowledge that. You know, you need to, to spend time with the Lord dealing with those things. The second thing I want to ask you to do for me today. Now, Proverbs 27, verse 23, tells me as the pastor 
that I need to know the conditions of our flock. I need to know the state of our flock of people, our congregation. Now, how in the world are you able to do that today? Now, I left for Cambodia back in March, and I was thinking yesterday that um, there is, uh, I mean, 95% of all our flock I haven't seen. Maybe more than that, I guess. I don't know how to do the percentages of that. How in the world do I know the state of our flock when I don't see them? When I look around today, there's some of you that this is the first time I've seen you in over two months. That's, that's difficult. That's hard. You know, it's hard not to know the condition of your flock. So I don't know who's in our flock and who's not anymore. I don't know where we're at with that. I mean, are we starting brand new? It appears that we are in many ways. And, and we're going to start. We've already started. We started last week. This is our second time meeting together, assembling ourselves. Hebrews 10 tells us to not forsake the assembling of the saints. And so we need to be meeting. So many of you have chosen to meet here today. Many have chosen to hopefully meet in their homes and in front of their TV set. But those who meet in front of their TV set, I, I want to hear from you. I want to know if you're with us or not. Now, I want you to do something, if you would, just... Text me, 817-223-8985 is my number. Please don't give it to any marketers. 817-223-8985. And if you would just say, I'm with y'all. I'm with the crossing. However you want to label it, I'm here. I'm with you. And, and help us to know how we can pray for you, how you're doing, what's going on. And, and so somehow another... At least I would know the state of our flock because I'm, I'm beginning to be stirred with that. I'm beginning to be, you know, where am I? What do I do? What's my purpose? You know, how do I fulfill what God's called me to do if, if I don't have the normalcy of knowing the state of the flock? And so help me know if you're with us. Help me know if you're on the same page. Help me know if the Lord brings about a complete washing away of this virus. You're going to be here with us. And you're going to serve alongside of us. That's all I want to know. All right. Light up my phone right now. It will encourage me as I'm speaking the message today. And I'll take it as an amen. Because this crowd don't look like they're going to give me too many this morning. No, they, they might. Amen. I got some, I got some uh, what do you call those, uh, shameless? Uh, what do you call that? When you shame people into... Okay, I don't know what that means. All right, let's get to the word. Matthew chapter 15. What do you do when you have a problem that you can't fix? What do you do when you have a problem that you can't fix? We find in chapter 15, beginning in verse 21 through verse 28, we find a mom that has a problem that she can't fix. Not only can she not fix it, no one can fix it. No medicine, no uh, uh, people doing all kinds of potions, no witch doctor can help her. Uh, 
there's no ointment that you can rub on her problem and, and get some relief from what she's dealing with. And we see this mom with a problem that she can't fix. Verse 21. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Now, Tyre and Sidon is like St. Paul, uh, uh, Minneapolis. You know, it's, it's twin cities. Tyre and Sidon are north of Caesarea. And north of Caesarea, it's very much Gentile. It's, it's a Canaanite people, a Canaanite area. And, and this lady is called a Syrophoenician woman meaning that she is from Syria and she's Phoenician. And so she's not Jewish. That's the point I'm making. She's not Jewish. She doesn't have access to a Jewish rabbi. She doesn't have access from the Jewish mindset to God. She is in a bad place. And she, is in a, she has a problem that she cannot fix. And it says, and behold, in verse 22, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came out and begged him, saying, send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord. Even Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. I believe that. I believe this happened. I believe God's word. I believe that Jesus has that kind of power. So, this lady, this mom, this mom has a problem that's obviously devastating to her. It's obviously more than she can deal with. Her daughter is possessed, oppressed by a demon. I've seen demon possession. I've seen what it does to people. It just destroys them from the inside. The demon wants to destroy the person. The demon deals with them mentally at times. The demon deals with them physically. Many times the person that is demon-possessed will try to just burn themselves up or harm themselves. They're, they're dangerous to other people many times. And, and there's all different levels of, of the demonic activity in these people. They do different things. It's almost like each demon has its own personality. And, and we, we've read in the scripture that the demon that would throw uh, the person in the fire the demon that would say all kinds of things, the demon that would manifest itself in some kind of physical torture, mental torture, just, just brokenness in people. And here she is. Every single day, she is seeing her daughter suffer. She is seeing her daughter harmed by this demon. But in this story, 
we have some real important pieces of information that, that help us to understand what we do when we have a problem that we can't fix. Now, this lady, this mom, demonstrates faith, demonstrates belief, and it's the kind of belief that got the Lord's attention. It's the kind of faith that I believe, because of his silence in dealing with her and knowing her mind, knowing her heart, knowing that she had faith before she confessed publicly that she had faith, that he knew in her heart, he knew that she was definitely of faith, that she was to the point of complete exhaustion, and she was dependent upon him to help her. She's desperate in this situation. And so I believe that his silence is to help the disciples get ready and, and to help everyone receive the confession of her faith so they can learn, so they can be exposed to it. And Jesus says to her in verse 28, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done just as you desire. So there are four elements to her faith that I think are important for us to see. And, and if you will jot these down, if you'll take a note of these, you will think you will be able to discover that, that you are practicing faith. You are believing. You are trusting God. When you have a problem that you can't fix, you're exercising faith if you begin to have these kind of qualities in your life. The first thing is, in verses 21 and 22, we see that her faith allowed her to see opportunities. And that's what faith does. Faith gives us the eyes. It gives us the ears. It gives us the awareness of things so that we can see opportunities. God's people are able to see what others can't see through faith. And we see opportunities. We see possibilities. We see hope that other people don't see. And this lady, this mom, with Jesus coming, and, and the Gospel of Mark lets us know that, that the word was being spread around and information, and you know that was taking place, all over this Galilean area, north of, of Joppa, north of Caesarea, that the word was getting out that the one they've been hearing about is coming to their place, coming to their cities. And, and they're very much interested, curious in what he has to say. But this lady, this mom, she hears about this Jewish rabbi with great powers coming to her city. And what does she do? She sees opportunity. Her faith led her to see opportunity. Her faith led her to see a possibility. Her faith led her to having some hope. And she took her daughter along the way. She went to take her daughter's case to Jesus. The second thing that we can learn from this lady, her faith is seen in her persistence. Now, these disciples, they're, they're, being, they're just being wrung dry with the paparazzi with all the looker-ons, with the circus environment that surrounds the feeding of the 5,000 and the miracles that are taking place, the disciples are just being beat down with all the people that are surrounding Jesus. 
large crowds would come to see him. And, and they were tired of the crowds. And we also see that they're protecting Jesus from the crowds. And I, I understand that when you've got a big crowd and you're with the one that everyone's attention's on, I'm sure that that made things very difficult for them. Now, they were saying to the Lord, send her away for she is crying out after us. Aren't you fed up with her? And, and, and man, don't you know that she kept on saying, Lord, Lord, here, here I am. Lord, listen to me. Lord, can I have your attention? Lord, can I tell you something? Lord, 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 please, please, Lord. And she's pushing her way through the crowd and she's trying to get a, a, a meeting with Jesus. And the disciples are saying, man, she was making herself known beyond the crowd. And she's persistent. And what I see in the New Testament, what I see in the teachings of Jesus is faith makes us persistent. Remember the story we told just two or three weeks ago with the persistent widow. The, the purpose of that parable was to teach us that we pray and we don't give up. And faith will put us in a position that we've got the drive, we've got the fire, we've got the inspiration, we've got the motivation that we're not going to quit. We're not going to give up. And one of the most important things next to hope and next to seeing possibilities and, and next to seeing opportunities is that when we have a problem that we cannot fix, that we do not lose heart. That we wake up every single day without a solution in mind, without an idea, without God revealing to us yet what He's going to do to remedy the situation. But we wake up every single day with hope, with possibility, with, with looking for the opportunities. And we're going to be persistent. We're going to keep on keeping on. It's not going to beat us. We're not going to suffer what this problem is doing to us. We're going to hang in there. We're going to keep on getting up. We're going to keep on facing it. And that's what this lady did. I, I would love to go back in time and, and see this lady receive the news that Jesus is coming to Tyre and Sidon and, and watch her pack, watch her get her stuff together, watch her get what she needs to have to go, and, and, and to see her face... And, and to see that probably most likely she went from going, what in the world are we going to be able to do with my daughter? I mean, no, I've exhausted all the help. You know her love drove her to find every soothsayer, everyone you could find as far as she could travel that would even begin to say they have a solution for this demon-possessed daughter that she has. Man, I can see a new step in her. I can see a new energy. And she just just uses all that energy to press through and be able to speak to Jesus. Remember, a woman and a Gentile woman doesn't get a sit down with a Jewish rabbi. But she's going to see that it takes place. That's what faith does. That's what faith does. Faith doesn't quit. Faith perseveres. Faith persists. And, and that's what this lady did. And we also see here in verse 25, her faith 
led her to humility. Man, she's respectful to the Lord. She cries out and she says, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. Man, the understanding that she has. Different understanding for a Gentile. The Jewish people didn't have this understanding. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. And he didn't answer her. He wasn't, he wasn't slighting her. He, he, he was not, you know, being mean to her. We know that's not our Lord. We know that's not what he did here. And the disciples begged him and said, send her away. She's annoying. Had enough of her. Everybody's got problems. Why is she up here bugging us with her problems? Have mercy on us. Oh, son of David. Who does she think she is? This Gentile woman coming up here acting all that she's got more importance than anybody else. You know that disciples are having those kind of thoughts. He says to her, I was, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. What did she do? She came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. Wait a minute, don't you understand? I just told you that I'm the Messiah. I'm the Jewish Messiah. And I've only come for the people of Israel. I've only come for the chosen people, which is right. It was God's plan that the Jews would receive the Messiah first and they would take the message of the world. Acts chapter 10, we see when the event happens with Cornelius that the gospel is understood that it's available to the Gentiles. Romans teaches us that because the Jewish people have rejected the Messiah, the Gentile people will receive the Messiah and they will believe. Matter of fact, it says many will believe. We know the scripture teaches us that the Jewish people said no to him and they would experience judgment because of that. And the closest they can get today is the, is the wailing wall to the, where the, the Holy of Holies was. But people will come from the east and the west and the north and the south and worship this Messiah. And this Syrophoenician mom is one of them. It's going to happen. But it wasn't happening then. It wasn't understood then. But she's not put off. She's persistent. She's not put off because she sees opportunity. She has hope. And she's believing in this one, Jesus. And when he says, I was sent only the lost sheep of the house of Israel, she knelt before him, humble, worshiping. Lord, help me. That's what faith does. Faith humbles us. It's really hard when we're exercising faith to be full of ourselves. It's really hard. I know that from personal experience. It's really hard to be full of yourself, to be self-absorbed. It's really hard to be more self-absorbed than self-aware when you're believing God and you're acting on that belief. You just get more self-aware. You just see yourself as the Lord sees you. Faith energizes that and brings that to light in your life. And he answered her. Now, many people see this as a real slap. It's not a slap. It's just understanding the, the country speak, we would say today. The, 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 the shoe leather, 
common sense, the way people talk in the town, in the street, in the country. It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And so we see here that faith is obvious to us. Faith makes it plain. Faith makes it clear to us that the crumbs of Jesus are enough. It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Ah, oh, faith. The crumbs are enough. Her faith is this. Jesus is so powerful. Jesus is so special. Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus has, has, has the world in his hands. He has all power. All dominion is his. And this lady's faith brought her to understand that the crumbs of Jesus are enough. The crumbs of Jesus are enough. She didn't get there on her own. The Bible teaches us that we do not come to faith that Jesus is the Messiah on our own. The Bible tells us that we don't make this kind of statement, that we don't have this kind of understanding without the God's intervention, without his work. Imagine that. Yes, Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Can you picture a big banquet? And everybody's sitting there, they're eating their ribeye, they're eating their baked potato, they're eating whatever they've got, all the trimmings, the desserts and everything. And there's two or three dogs under the table just waiting, just waiting. And the children just, right? And they just wait for something to drop, something to fall. And whatever falls is always enough for that dog. It's better than what he has out there in his bowl. That's Jesus. His crumbs are enough. That's her faith. That's her faith. Now, there's something really special here, I think, in verse 27. Yes, Lord. That's special. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. You remember I was on a kick. Just say yes. Before you read the scripture, say yes. Before you pray, say yes. Before you begin to listen to the Holy Spirit speak to you, just say yes. Remember, I had signs put everywhere. Man, I was on, I was driven, I was motivated, I was stirred. For somehow or another, we're going to get everybody to say yes. I get on those kicks every now and then, don't I? Well, look at this. Yes, Lord. Before she even got the answer, she said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. She wasn't put off with, with this dog thing. She wasn't personally offended by the dog comment. She didn't see that Jesus was calling her a dog. Matter of fact, she was so desperate for help. Even if she did, it didn't matter to her. I'll be a dog if you want me to be. Just heal my daughter. I mean, I don't know about you, but, but I'm okay with being a dog. Most likely a basset hound. You know, I'm okay with being a dog. If the Lord grants me eternal life, I'll be a dog all day long. You can call me dog. 
Just at least treat me like you treat your dogs. I'll be a dog, no problem for me. If I can receive from the Lord just His crumbs. I'll just take a little bit of eternal life. Just enough that I escape eternal torment. Just that I have a little bit of His his security here, I have a little bit, just crumbs. You see, his crumbs are enough. I'll take a small, tiny house in heaven. All I need is me a bed and a place to, to cook a, 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 a burger or two. I just need a little place to hang out. Don't need much. If I can just bask in his glory, just soak up his power, his glory... And, and, and this lady, she's to the point of complete desperation, but her faith is in action, and her faith has allowed her to see the opportunity. It's given her the persistence she needs. It's humbled her, and it's brought her to the place that she understands that with the Master Jesus, the King of all kings, that a little crumbs are all you need. And she's already decided up front, yes, Lord. Do you know that there's a freedom, there's a strength, there's a power, there's an energy in the Christian life that if you say yes up front, you'll, you'll experience it. If you'll say yes up front, if you'll agree with the Lord, no matter what he says up front, you're where you need to be. You're where you need to be. What a great story for Mother's Day. You know, moms, you, you, you get caught up with Pinterest today, don't you? I hear all about that sometimes. I catch conversations. I hear today that a lot of moms are defeated because they appear, they, they, they look across the street and it looks like that mom is better than you are and there's great, great difficulty, right? I mean, your house has got to be decorated like JoJo's. Your house has got to be as clean as a church during a virus crisis. This place is really clean. It's cleaner than Walmart you're going to, the H-E-B you're going to, I promise you. I mean, there's really no reason to stay away from this place. It's clean. And nobody's hugging. I watched this morning. They're not hugging. And they're wearing masks. Well, I saw a few just pull it up, but, but they're six feet away from everybody but the ones they live with. And if you don't cook like that Oklahoma wilderness lady, you're not any good. You got to dress like you're stepping, you're shopping at Rodale Drive. You, you got to be the right socialite, have the right friends. You got to plan activities like you're on a Disney cruise, like the activities director on a Disney cruise. You know, the world throws out lots of junk to you, moms. And this lady here shows us that the best thing, the best way to be a mom, the best thing we can do for our children, the best thing we can do for our family is to believe, to exercise our belief and to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. Amen. Hebrews 11.6 tells us, 
that without faith it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. How do you respond when you have a problem that you can't fix? The model for us today is believe like that Gentile mom. Help us, Lord, to be open to your spirit's work. Help us, Father, to hear your voice clear today. We praise you, Lord, for this day. In Jesus' name, amen.